0: The dead Dave.
1: What Captain Hollister?
0: Everybody's dead Dave.
1: What Todd Hunter? What Selby? Not Chen.
0: He's dead Dave. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead Dave.
2: Hello, welcome back to Everybody Is Dead Dave, the Red Dwarf Review podcast, where myself. Phil Hawkins and my co-host Adam Martin are going through every episode of Red Dwarf in order. I am the long-term fan. Adam, you're the relative newbie. That
1: once and forever the relative newbie, Phil. Yes, that's (laughs) me. Hello, everybody.
2: And we sometimes have a guest reviewer on with us, and that is the case today. Today, we have Ryan McGiven. Hello, Ryan.
0: Hello, it's very nice to be here.
2: Uh, Ryan, tell us a bit about yourself and uh, what your history of Red Dwarf. When did you first start watching it?
0: Uh, when I first started watching it was when it was on the BBC back in the late 90s, so from Series 7 onwards. Then i have been collecting the VHS tapes and soon after buying the DVDs from Woolworths or wherever. And then going and watching the ones from Dave when they were broadcast, or when I could do. And I sort of been a bit of a quite a big fan ever since. I read the books, magazine, comics too. So I'm trying to get a bit more of that in, in my collection so far.
2: Excellent. Yeah, we've been delving a little bit into the comics and the books and things. Uh, we've still got a lot more to get to, but uh, we will get there eventually. I'm sure. sure will. Uh, today we're looking at episode five of series ten. It's called Dear Dave, and the synopsis on the UK play web- UK TV play website, is a short one. It reads this Lister has women, woman trouble, women trouble when he gets himself into a love triangle and learns he might be a dad. That's that, a good
1: synopsis. It's
2: a good, so it makes it does make you want to listen to the watch the episode, doesn't it? Although it does kind of make it sound to me when I hear that like the two things might be connected, like the love triangle has resulted in him being a dad. That's what that makes <laughs> me think, but that is not the case. No. Just to put that out there to start with, that's what uh, did anybody did. That make anybody else think that? Or was that, first, that just me? Yeah,
0: I did briefly. Yeah, And then, and then yeah. we, we, we realize it's like two completely separate storylines. It's a bit of a cop out, I thought at first. Yeah,
2: yeah. So the episode starts, and Lister is well, he's he's in a bit of a not a great mood. He's a bit of a, a bit of a slump, and yeah. Crichton comes in, and I love this conversation between them. He, he's sort of talking to him like. Well, he, he starts off saying, You're missing the human race again, aren't you? <laughs> and uh, yeah. And it's kind of, they have this whole conversation about, Oh, I've been looking at pictures of them. Look, there's them going to work. And uh, listed, uh, Crichton's trying to convince Lister that he'll meet a new species and that the human race was never good enough for him anyway. And he could do no. better. And that the human race was never very nice to him and all that sort of stuff. And it's kind of treating it like it's they're talking about an ex girlfriend.
1: I like the little line where he says, oh, the human race had legs. That, <laughs> that got a chuckle Been In out. this yeah. si- situation yeah. a
0: few times, he's been in, like, in this depressive slump at the beginning of time slides. And in, in advance of, yeah. of power. Yeah. So it's, uh, it, it's always interesting how he periodically gets it's sort of reminder that he's the last human being alive. Yeah,
1: It's a nice reminder, really, I think. Because, yeah, even though this is a comedy, in that situation, you would probably have moments where you're like, oh, yeah, I am literally the last of my species, and there's no way another one's coming. So yeah, no, I agree, Ryan. It's a nice, like... I wouldn't say... Well, callback in a way, isn't it? But like, you know, or like I said, a reaffirmation that he is um, the last human.
2: I did find it a little strange that they... I mean, I get it, it was for the joke, but it was like they were referring to the human race as if Lister wasn't part of it, (laughs) almost. He was always in the, like, them human race you are different to that that kind of that kind of feeling
0: mm-hmm. didn't, guess, didn't yeah.
2: spoil it for me at all i still really yeah. enjoyed the scene i really enjoyed it found it really funny it's just a little yeah. weird thing that i picked up interesting framing yeah yeah mm. um so after that scene they then goes out and sort of talks to a uh vending machine are what do people think of the vending machine <laughs> The I love the vending I think machines. I think they're really
0: great. I mean, it's sort of bringing the whole place up alive, and because they did it in series one, but I think in, in this episode they really kind of shown mm, them a bit more yeah. personality towards them. I mean, and, they, and each of one of them has got a different background and personality.
2: This one is—you um, talk about having different personalities. This one, if I had to describe their personality in one word, I would probably say creepy. Yeah. Uh, she watches him. Through the gap in the door to his quarters, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's
1: fun though, and I mean, uh, like um, like Ryan said, it makes the place feel alive. And obviously, we've dabbled with bits of uh, machinery on Red Dwarf having sentience. I mean, lest we forget, Talky Toaster, the best character in Red Dwarf, who hasn't yet made a reappearance. Um, so, no, I like, I agree, I like this as well. That each of them has a different personalities. I only, well, a minor spoiler, for Red, I only wish we saw more of them than we do
2: hmm. yeah yeah it's a shame we don't get more recurring ones like we've had talky a few times but not for a long time mm. um it'd be nice to see some of these vending machines maybe come back that would be quite good uh yeah this one so this one is like got a bit of a crush on rumor by the looks of it mm. and a little bit of a creepy crush as you know basically peeping tom on him into the into the room um <laughs> so i think this might be the uh was anybody else already picking up that this might be the beginning of the Love Triangle storyline? Or was this, like, was that far from your mind when you were watching this?
0: I think it was not until the, until I speak to the French vending machine that I thought that was going to be a bit more of a Love Triangle thing happening there.
1: Yeah, I agree with right. With the first one, I think the first one he chats to is number 23, I think. or um, Yeah. Yeah, I, I just thought that was like a random funny conversation, you know, that didn't really have any full bearing on the on the plot, if you like. But um, yeah, no. Um, but but like Ryan said, by the time we get to number 34, the French one, yeah, that's when it yeah. clicked.
2: Um, then we get a little scene. Rima is um, training, I guess, for Subutio tournaments. Uh, yes. you, at least I have to check this because it is a very dated reference in some ways. Adam, do you know what Subutio
0: is? Uh, no, should I? Okay, <laughs> See, there we go. Yeah, I thought
2: it might be. I a take it you reference.
0: two do. So I've got an idea. I think it's tabletop football. Yeah, it? it's like oh, a little is it? tabletop oh. football game. So you have
2: these little figures that are on these like domes. So they rock. Um, right. And you basically have to flick them. Uh, hence him training his fingers. So you flick them mm. to hit the ball. So you hit the character into the ball and then try and get it. And and when was this popular? Phil, do you want to give us a year Uh, on that? Well, I can't remember when it first came out, but I remember it still being popular in the uh, early nineties.
1: Okay, and
2: you could go into any toy shop, and in the very early nineties, you could buy all of the football, the Premiership football teams in their kits. So you get you get the the like. I'm not a I'm not a sports fan, so uh, (laughs) I never got into it. But I still know about it. My brother had a set. And uh, and so you'd have however many team members a football team has. I don't think think it's eleven. Okay, eleven at least eleven in this set in the right team strip for that year, and you could buy them and build up your team and fight. You know, people had took their teams to play against other people and things like that, and you get a little yeah. It was like this little model game, sort of like I guess it was kind of like the equivalent of like Warhammer, but for sports. Fans. i mean That's i thought he'd,
1: yeah i thought he'd made it up so when he said it i was like i've yeah, never no. heard of that word in my life so there you go now you've as you we go.
2: often do on this show we've educated adam about yes. some mm. early 90s yeah. eight slash 80s uh, first it was now now shaken <laughs> back yes <so. laughs> absolutely yes. um yeah so the jmc computer has apparently received lots of letters recommending Rimmer for you know uh High honors and promotions and stuff, and it this kind of builds, and I like the way this builds with Crichton talking about it and how they all these letters they've been receiving and blah blah blah, mm. and but then we get the reveal that actually they all came from Rimmer himself. Yeah, which sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And what I want to know is why is this uh computer still like making decisions about? Like who is this? Because com- the computer used to be Holly,
1: yeah.
2: But now there's this separate JMC computer that makes decisions about promotions and demotions and stuff. And I'm pretty sure that's factored into a previous episode, or, or um, or maybe it's a future episode. I can't remember now. But I think it's going to come up again. I think
0: there are re- references to Holly coming later on, and how okay. and how this is basically just like a backup computer. Oh, okay. And. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because I don't. I don't know if if whether Norman or it was the other lady who played Molly,
2: Hattie Harris. I, I don't. know yeah. if they were
0: available or not to come back. But it might be because they, they didn't want to replace Holly, so we just wanted to put as a sort of backup computer there, just to make the plot go forward a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do. I do miss
2: Holly,
1: personality.
0: Though. Oh yeah,
2: got to Miss Holly.
1: What I like though is when. Um, when we go to, oh, sorry, is the, the next scenes where he confronts Lister in the uh, in the cockpit, isn't it? Where he says like oh, a great line, uh, "Oh, you're you know you seem
2: depressed. Time to man up. Listen to some brass band music." Also, uh, because the computer has worked out that it is him sending the letters and realizes that they've looked into Rimmer's record and they're actually going to demote him unless he can make a case to why he. Uh, shouldn't be demoted. He's going to be demoted to third Technician, so basically on a par with Lister. And he's yeah. not happy about that. He's like, who am I going to boss around? I'll only have you, Crichton, to boss around. Them.
0: It's almost mm. a bit like, um, <laughs> I suppose, as in, in case of Rimba? it's almost like seeing the earliest series version of, of Rimba out because he's the one who's always trying to gain up in, in the ranks and he's doing whatever he can just to get up there. But in this case, you, you know, he's going to be on the same level as Lister. Which because he's been trying to divide this whole yeah. time.
2: Yeah. Well, this like is a conversa- conversation we had about uh Rimmer back, sort of in Back to when we were doing Back to Earth, is that which Rimmer is this? Because we had the Rimmer that went for all the characters' development over the first seven series, and then he went off to be Ace Rimmer. Then we had the resurrected Rimmer that the Nanobox created in Series 8. And then in Back to Earth, there's a hologram Rimmer again, but is he that one that died? Is one that was alive that has died or is it the other one come back again or is it a new one we don't we, i don't uh, think we're ever really yeah. told so him acting more like he did in series one or two maybe that is a bit of an explanation
0: but i won't spoil it because i think it's in the next episode and there's a lot about remember in that one.
1: Oh right okay okay interesting All well right, I can't clearly can't i can't remember <laughs> any
2: of that then uh but we'll we'll get to that when we get to it what Rimmer does here is he orders Crichton to get him a sick note, PTSD. Which, in fairness, like you know, he did wipe out the crew. Uh, that's yeah. got a. With any normal person, that would leave some trauma. <laughs> Clearly, I don't think it has with him because he's quite self-obsessed. But he could make out that it has, I guess. And um, and yeah, it was. Mm. That's what that's his plan for that. That's what they're going to do. As you say, I think he has a conversation with Lister next. Yes. And what was the line you were thinking of that you really liked?
1: Well, it was where he's he notices Lister's in a slump. So he's like, oh, you know, you need to man up and play some brass band music instead of this, like, you know, mopey stuff. And then he starts talking about um, like basically trying to get with women. You know, he says, oh, you know, the old arm around the shoulder at the cinema. Do you think that's still cool? and all that sort of stuff, which made me laugh, actually, because I still see people doing that now. I have no idea, by the way, whether that's still considered cool. I wouldn't say it's cool. I think it's a little bit cringe. But... Has it
2: ever been oh. cool, really? Was it's it just
1: always been a dated
0: cool? move.
1: Probably not, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> something you saw in like the Golden Age of Hollywood films from like the the 40s probably where where you could probably get away where everyone went to the cinema dressed in their suits and best
2: dresses and
1: all that sort of stuff.
2: I did love the fact that when he's demonstrating that you know moves get dated, mm. he goes into this a Jacobean move and yes. then he demonstrates uh, hitting on someone as a jack you know in Jacobean times
0: oh my lady. <laughs> Thy beauty doth radiate across the earth, like a raging forest fire consuming everything in its path, and reduces grown men to babbling fools. (laughs) Do you think that move would work today? Not a chance. Dead move. The cloak across the puddle. Dead move strumming a mandolin under the balcony dead move
1: the irony is you could definitely see rimmer doing all of those things if presented with the option yeah absolutely
2: there was a line and i can't remember i wrote down the line and i can't remember what it was in reference to oh yes i can it was about biscuit dunking um they had a conversation about dunking biscuits and how uh lister is dunking them just in the water in the fish tank? He can't be bothered to go get the tea, and that's a sign of his depression. And that one line that I did make me giggle was when Rimmer says to him, "As long as it's wet and melty, you don't care where you stick it." <laughs> which obviously is there for the double entendre, but it's oh, about yes. it's about biscuits, guys. It's about biscuits.
1: I I mean I don't know what you thought of the whole biscuit gag, Ryan, but I I couldn't get into this gag at all. Really, I don't no, I don't know it, why.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's something I was him would get well. What it was actually about, but it, it it's not the best gag. Yeah, not it's not something that really you know it's it's not the best bit. Basically.
1: No, yeah. Did you really enjoy it, Phil? The biscuit gag.
2: I liked that one particular line. Yeah. Oh, Okay. But... Uh, I mean, uh, the rest of it around it, I wasn't that fussed about. But I like that line. That line made me laugh. Yeah. Then we get vending machine number two, uh, a saucy French vending machine or just a French vending machine, I guess. Mm. Um, (laughs) uh, Probably the fact that it's uh, that uh, Lister kind of flirts with it a bit Mm. is uh, (laughs) it's quite funny because he flirts with her like oh you've got a new paint job, you look a bit different, you got a new blah, blah blah and then she's having none of it. <laughs> are you eating on me? No. I'm a
0: vending machine, why are you trying to eat on me? I'm not trying to eat on you. You so <sighs> no i'm not i'm really not just you
2: just make good coffee that's all New facade you look shiny as that was a move
1: it was not a move it so was a move you were putting a move on me you're getting the wrong end of the stick it was not a move now please why are you eating on a dispensing machine who does that i love the bit where she's like he touched my logo yes um, he, he but put also, his hand do,
2: on my logo
1: do these vending machines all serve the same thing
2: well, I don't or know. Or do those I... two
1: in particular? Because he gets coffee from both of them, doesn't he? I think
2: I think they probably have like a lot of staples. Bearing in mind how big the ship is, you're going to want a vending machine with coffee. Like, I assume this one is near the drive room and the other one is near his bunk. So, uh, I guess so, given there's a distance between that, I mean, as a coffee drinker myself, I want coffee to be available. Although I probably wouldn't get it from a vending machine. But uh, that's just my coffee snobbery. <laughs> I would want, I would want coffee available at all locations. So, yes. uh, so yeah, I think they both serve coffee. Maybe they, maybe they vary it up in the types of chocolate bars they are. Mm. Possibly. But she's like, "Why are you hitting on a vending machine? What is wrong with you? Who does that?"
1: <laughs> I know. It's like- it's a great gag, isn't it? I love the secondhand embarrassment as well when the others like start coming in and the vending machine's like still going on. Like, say, he tried to do this, and Lister's just like cringing in his own skin. I thought, yeah, great gag, great gag, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll, like how it just carries on towards the end. I don't think that's with the third. Or was it the second, the first vending machine where where she wants to turn around and see the render of the corridor?
2: <laughs> oh yeah,
0: yes, yeah, 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 that's good. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. And next we get the back to the sort of um, Rimmer storyline of wanting to get the sick note and things. The medical unit has hinted that it could be bribed to give the sick, sick note, or give a charitable donation. Um, <laughs> mm. And Crichton hits upon the idea to return... Is it Crichton? I can't remember who has the idea. I think it's Crichton. To yeah. return all of the toilet paper. Where they're returning it to... I'm not entirely sure because it's not like they can send it back to the manufacturer. They're three million years in deep space, but they're going to return the toilet paper. And somehow that means the budget can be switched to the uh, medical unit. And that will be a charitable donation in inverted commas. Um, yeah, Lister isn't happy about that idea, though. No, especially especially with his diet of high fiber curry and beer. Yeah, it's a dire situation, isn't it? It's like the, it's like, it's going to be like the, um, (laughs) the toilet paper shortage of 2020.
1: Oh God, don't. That's a, that's a throwback. (laughs) I remember seeing that. I never saw anyone like pile in toilet roll, but I do remember those first few days going to the shops and there being no toilet roll on the shelves. I do remember that.
2: Yeah. That was, that was odd times, odd times. Um. that we don't
0: want to move back to.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Let's not go back there. Let's. Toilet roll for everybody. <laughs> Cat comes in. He asks how to break bad news. Gets advice on how to make, break bad news. For him, like what you should do. Come in wearing a kind of kindly but somber face. And then say something. Uh, and then. So then he leaves. And comes back in and does exactly what he's just been told to do. Because hmm. <laughs> he's got bad news. Um, but does. then. For some reason. Decides to deliver the bad news. In the form of charades or charades yeah. wait which one was it he says it I... wrong they correct him but i don't is, know is, which one is right is there a, is there a correct way though i don't know oh, it's just quite just charade i say charades yeah charades charades you say charades I... is it one
1: of those things where it's like depending on where in the uk you are you say like uh what's the other famous like scon and scone and things like that oh yes the, the ever heated debate of
2: scone and scone <laughs> I mean, I don't care how you pronounce scones. or scone. I kinda of use them interchangeably. What the big debate for me about Scones is whether or not you put the jam on first or the cream oh, on God. first. I <laughs> I am a cream on first person. I'm laying that down. I may have alienated half our audience there, but I'm cream on first, then a jam person. Betting my foot down there. <laughs> I neither have cream nor jam, so I
1: can't wait. Oh, on this one.
2: okay. Do you just not eat scones?
1: No, I eat scones just only with butter.
2: Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. I don't mind I don't actually. That's, that's the uh, Switzerland approach of just being neutral and going, <laughs> I'm not getting involved in this
0: debate. I'm just going to have <laughs> butter or margarine.
1: <laughs> oh, dear. Well, no, well, Ryan, you said you don't mind either. So, Well, I
0: mean, I suppose what I'm trying to say is I don't mind it if you put jam on first or the cream on first. There you go. Because it's there just going to taste the same anyhow. That that that's, that's a, a great that's a philosophy point.
2: to have. It's just going to taste the same. Who cares? That's that's a good frameable quote, that is. (laughs) Um, What the bad news is. Oh, um, actually, we get our Kachansky reference of the episode here because Lister guesses that the bad, one of the guesses he makes is that something's happened to Kachansky. So,
1: yeah. And uh, we've been saying, Ryan, throughout this series, obviously, they've mentioned her at least once an episode and obviously you might know, I Phil might know, I don't know, but um, I'm certain they must be building to something with this, because it just, it seems too
0: random I just to have a throwaway I, Kachansky gag this, for no thought, reason. So this seem weird for a to just drop that in a rather casual way, but I, I know the outcome, it's I just um, Mm. don't put your hopes up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait for the concluding episode of this series then to be (laughs) thoroughly disappointed. But no, we'll see. But yes, um, what I love, though, about this uh, charades game is it's just absolutely mental because they're all talking over each other. And I don't know about you two. I wonder if this was just a lot of improv. I wonder that too.
2: I think so.
1: To do that scripted for as long as they did it would be insanely difficult.
2: Yeah. I think they were probably like told one or two things that they had to say in there. And I yeah. think the Kachansky line was probably definitely in in a script somewhere to say. But I think that yeah, there's probably a lot of like, hey, improvise a lot of this, throw this these couple of lines in, and then just improvise. Um and it worked really well, I thought.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Did you enjoy it, Ryan, the charade
0: sequence? Yeah, it is. It was it was probably like see the the little good thing about cat in this Episode of Foxy Fight doesn't really do much, and the way that how everyone sort of tossed up all, 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 all over each other, and just trying to put up any kind of explanations of what actually happened, whether it be down to time f- f- phenomena or Gelfs or yeah. busy even. <laughs> and then, you know, except
1: for the, except for the catch- no, you're right. Um, it's it's a shame that it returns, I mean, uh, you've heard episodes of this podcast, we've we've mentioned several times that, haven't we Phil, there's so many episodes where Cat feels like he doesn't have his own yeah. thing compared to what everyone else is doing, so I get what you mean there, yeah, this was sort of like the big thing he does um, in this one, so yeah, we need a bit more Cat love, because they got off to a good start, didn't they Phil, this series? So Yeah, this, uh...
2: he's been he's definitely been used more this series than he has for a long time, which I've liked, Um, but yeah, probably not in this episode so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, the bad news, though, is finally revealed to be that a mail pod has uh, crashed into Cat's clothing. Which is mm. obviously very bad for yeah. Cat. He loves of his clothing. Terrible. Uh, but it does mean that they've got mail and they are going to go through them out. They've had mail a few times in the show. There was that time in uh, one of the early seasons where uh, Rimmer got a-, a letter telling him his dad had died. And mm. then there was a, they got, while well, they were in prison in series eight, they got some letters as well delivered. So they were kind of a trope. And actually, wasn't there one in series one or two where they got the latest? Isn't that where Better Than Life came? It came in the post
0: yeah, thing, I think. I got, like the latest Friday the 13th <laughs> yeah.
2: film. Yes,
0: that's it. Yeah.
2: So they, mm. they occasionally, every so often, a male pod catches up with them, which I guess makes sense if they're heading back towards Earth. They'll come across the ones heading towards them as they get closer to Earth, I assume. But they've got a lot of letters to sift through and Lister, they're kind of having a competition about who can find one address to them first. Rima finds a parking fine <laughs> and Lister finds a letter from an ex-girlfriend who has a confession. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a, there's a few bits around this and I was wondering what you guys thought. The first joke around this is that Rimmer goes, bet she was a man. And that's her confession. And then he yes. says something about Big Feet. I can't remember the exact quote. Which felt a little bit like... I'm not sure about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, As I a mean, joke. It, it did feel a little... Like, when you heard it, you're like, oh, right, okay. Um, yeah, no, I, I didn't really vibe with it, to be honest. Uh,
0: I, wh- it, it felt flat. Yeah, flat that's
1: that's the word for it. Yeah, felt flat. Yeah, it felt well, like a joke they would have made like in the eight in the eighties or in the nineties, rather than now. Yeah, or, well, now Definitely. ten years ago, but you know what I mean. Yeah,
2: I suppose even ten years is quite a long time. I suppose for you know just generally uh, mm. our tastes to change and you know pop culture like tastes and things to to shift. So you know ten years still quite a long time, but it kind of feels a bit almost like. I like. I don't. Yeah, a bit too close. Still, I don't know. Mm. But what the actual letter, her confession is, is that his ex girlfriend is, say, is, is, well, at least three million years ago was, uh, pregnant, and uh, she thinks it could be Dave's, mm. might be his, or it could be Roy's. Yes, Roy. <laughs> Roy. Roy. <laughs> So the implication cuz he's he's been talking about how he had this wonderful relationship with one woman that didn't splat with him only broke up cuz she had to move for a great work opportunity and so in his mind this is kind of like this was a great relationship and now he's kind of found out that there was another guy potentially at the same time called Roy.
1: Mm. Yes. So, and he desperately wants to find out uh, well see if there's another letter. Um, yeah
2: in a way i've just realized that's another that's another love triangle
1: that is another yeah. love triangle see it's, so there in, we go. it's all so playing it is, out
2: it is linked uh but talking of love triangles we go back to the vending machines then and he's obviously you know a bit bit mopey about this wants to find out if he's the dad and is trying to find another letter so he's a bit sad still goes back to the vending machine number 1 or number 23 sorry but the first one we saw and Now that that vending machine is very hurt, feelings, like uses him of basically cheating on, on her with the other vending machine.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's so silly, but because it's being played so seriously, I think that's why I find it funny. Yeah. Mm.
2: And both of these vending machines are voiced by the same person.
1: They are. Um, I think, did I write it down? I I didn't. I think off top of my head, I think it's Isla... Year or something like that but yeah the actor who played both of them i okay. thought it's fantastic
2: yes and um, she's the only guest cast on this episode and yeah i think she did a great job especially of um doing the rivalry between the two of them uh, i loved his reply when he was just like casually goes he was just nearer yeah
1: yeah no it's good banter really also
2: you all look identical
0: it's a bit like it's um it's a bit soap opera It's the, they're trying to play up like a love triangle in a soap opera, and it's you know, and it kind it kind of goes well, and when it goes over the top with all the vending machines,
1: mm. yes, yeah, like that sort of that that bit in a soap when they reveal like I know what you did with so and so, and it's all you know, and I think that line you said, uh, uh, you know, oh you all look the same. You could I guess you could argue that's an allegory for how some men view women sadly yeah you know oh you're just all the same but that's i think that's that is me reading deep into it but no that's just what it made me think i think i I think it is kind
2: of sending that up that attitude up a bit there so that's yeah yeah, i think that's up i think that's absolutely what they're going for that they kind of just like yeah going for that kind of um allegory of men who uh, just like will sleep around and they just like oh i can't remember is that shower or not i don't know why we're with sharon there Karen or, <laughs> or uh, julia yeah. I, you know can't remember one from another one there um yeah, yeah. and so she reviewed refu- this one is now refusing to serve him apparently doesn't have any coffee doesn't have any tea just like refusing to serving point blank she is mm. like annoyed so yeah loving the loving the uh stuff from the vending machines personally um, mm. That's been my highlight of the episode so far, but it's not over It's
0: the best thing so far. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's definitely the one that kind M- 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 works well. The, the plot line I felt. Yeah, yeah.
1: To be honest, I could have had this episode just them talking to the vending machines for half an hour, and I think I'd be happy. <laughs> to be quite but honest, there are but
2: other plots going on. There is. The medical computer has refused the. Uh, sorry, has taken the donation, but refused to give Grimmer the sick note, and it was all a ploy just to get the uh, the budget. Uh, to be, to be applied to them and they need to, if they're going to give a sick note, it's got to be for a genuine reason so either Rimmer needs to prove he's sick or that he's looking after someone who's sick. Given that Rimmer uh, sorry, Lister is mopey and depressed at the moment Rimmer hits on the idea that actually maybe I can, you know, make it, make it out that I'm looking after this, that Lister's the one with PTSD and I'm looking after him. So that's his pl- new plan.
1: Yep. Although Crichton points out that could just be a lot of that could be put down to what was it? He said it, didn't he? A lot of that could be put down. Oh, to eccentricity.
2: <laughs> yeah. Which which I
1: thought was a good line.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, He tries to, uh... oh, Cat, there's this whole scene where Cat is trying to cheer Lister up. Um, and ends up just making it so much worse because he's like starts off with some advice of just don't think about it, don't think about it, don't think about your ex that has the kid and stuff. Um, put it out of your mind. But then he keeps on don't think about how you know she was, you know, smiling with Roy and how going holding hands as she walked along a romantic walk with him and stuff. Like that. Keeps on keeps on piling it on top and on top and on top. What did you guys think of this scene? Do you think it
0: worked? I think. I think with Cat, it's like he, he, he's, I think it's like the second time he's trying to make Lister feel a lot better. And it just ends up being a lot more worse, and he's. I mean, if it works well. It's, it's just just case of Cat's just someone who does like the good things the wrong way in, in a sense. Because he did it once mm-hmm. again in time slides, where he tries to cheer Lister up by doing mini, miniature golf and all that. He's just not having it. But I think one mm-hmm. of the things that I think people seem to forget, all... Or well, maybe Lister forgets. Is that Lister did used to have a, a, a relationship with with Lise Yates, <laughs> and and yes. never mm. gets brought back back up again. And they were like, they were no. pretty close <laughs> as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Is it one of those Red Dwarf continuity things where like something something like that? You think, yeah, that'll get mentioned, and it never gets mentioned again. Yet the tiniest sliver of continuity gets all the focus in the world i
0: remember someone saying to me not 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 long ago what do you think about red 12 don't think about the continuity because it just gets all mud- muddled up the more you watch it that's and, true yeah absolutely I, I
1: think phil told me that from like episode well early you told me that early you were like try not to think
2: about it like just just crack on um next we get Lister trying to make up with the vending machine, the, f- the first vending machine we saw that mm. is annoyed if him. He goes and try and sweet talk, or is like, How can I make it up to you? Uh, he gives her like suggestions, like give you all repaints, like you know, like lots of nice suggestions, restock. But what <laughs> she really, really wants is to see around the corner,
1: yes, <laughs> as you say, yeah.
2: And uh, so he agrees to take her around the corner and he wheels around there,
1: yes. And she's so amazed to look at this new bit of wall. And then asks,
2: uh, she's sort of talking about how they could settle down there, which is, quite, <laughs> like, again, slightly creepy. But uh...
1: <laughs> just a little bit.
2: But... Yeah. Um, and then asks him to push her up against the push. Her, I just realized the innuendo of that. Can you push me up against the wall? Yep. <laughs> um, but he does like try and move her uh, towards the wall, but accidentally topples her over, landing on top of her. So he's now yep. laying on top of the vending machine to which her reply is something kinds like of naughty boy
0: and yes he's come around and then she just makes this off the go remark saying oh i've never seen the ceiling before <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: yes yeah, that's yeah such a good gag <laughs>
1: yeah and i love the way rimmer comes in because like you see him walk by out of focus and then when his head pops back it gets in for oh i just thought there, good yes, bit. like because you, you could see it coming, but just the way it was shot was just brilliant,
2: especially the way because by that point, uh, Lister is trying to get the machine back up and write it, but he's doing it by kind of like he's still on top of it, <laughs> and so he's gyrating back and forth, trying to like leverage it up. Don't know how yeah. he thinks that's gonna work.
1: Well, but- I was gonna say, <laughs> Lister's, and we know he's not the brightest tool <laughs> in the shed, but e- even then, like, like you say, I don't know how he thinks sort of. Pulling it whilst he's still on top of it is gonna magically get it back up. It seems a bit counterproductive, yeah.
2: But it it's basically looks like he's shagging the vending machine. And it reminded <laughs> me a bit of the um tight boxer short scene from when the from the Z um from the polymorph episode where uh, Rimmer walks in on Crichton trying to remove Lister's boxes because oh, yeah. they're the boxes of the polymorph, kind of had that kind of vibe to it. And it, yeah. I think it was very funny. It was probably, oh yes, uh, I like, I laughed out loud for yeah. this. It it was hilarious. Can't can't find any toilet paper, uh, and suddenly because he suddenly needs a toilet um, because it's all gone, because it's all gone to the medical unit or something. So he's rushing around and he finds a letter on the floor, and he's gonna use that, but it. Luckily, Lister gets it off him beforehand, and. Before he uses it to wipe, and what does he use instead? He grabs something else. Remember
0: his notepad, wasn't it? Oh, that's, that's it.
2: Yeah, with he have been making reports of um Lister all episode, and he grabs that instead. But the letter is another one from Lister's ex, confirming that. Well, we d- he never actually says it out loud. We get we have to infer that he is not the dad. He goes on about how, oh, you know, I really hope it. I am the dad, then she would she would have been a great mum, and she would have. Really- really really right blah, 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 blah. he opens it and it just the the ending line is what an absolute slag <laughs> which obviously See, is meant that that reveals to us that he wasn't the father and roy uh, roy, roy roy yeah so how I do you think know, about thought... the ending of this
1: go on ryan you go
0: first <laughs> it wraps up it up nicely oh not nicely as it were,
2: yeah. <laughs> and, Quite rudely.
0: Oh, definitely. <laughs> I mean, it is sad for Lister, you know, not having the, the parents and all that. But it's a bit like maybe she treats you guys a little bit better in that case. I've gone back to Lucy Yates. <laughs> yes, yeah. in a in a what if timeline, it
1: would have been about it would have been about her instead. Um, you're right. I mean, it does wrap it up like it's a very succinct den, But I, I, I think personally, I would have liked to if they had the time to go down the route of like him reading out the letter and maybe at first implying that maybe he is the father and then, you know, the crushing blow is like the last line where it says, and so me and Roy are expecting, do you know what I mean? Something like that. I feel that could have had a, for me at least, a more like uh, punchier ending. But, you know, it's not the worst Red Dwarf ending we've ever had, I don't think. I mean, Phil, what did you think?
2: Yeah, it was okay. I was a bit like... (laughs) I don't know, a bit like it was like, oh, OK. Yeah,
1: like <laughs> okay. he just sort of says it and then that's yeah. that's it. And yeah. that's it. Yeah,
2: it was like, yeah, it was OK. It was kind of the um, it, it was kind of the result I was expecting from the letter and the paternity test, because, I mean, he's already got several children, including himself so <laughs> let's
1: not get into he that yes <laughs> children
2: in multiple universes he is his own father there's <laughs> lots. Of, there's, you know he doesn't need any more kids so yes. there's that um and yeah and that's where the episode ends so that that is dear dave um we have our regular features which we do on the, the show which is choosing our favorite character choosing our funniest moment bring, uh, giving it a mark out of 10 scutters so starting off with favorite character Ryan, who is your favourite character in the episode?
0: I go for Rimmer. He's. Okay. I mean, I mean, by launch off shot, of it, he was just trying to be his old self. And to me, that's has always been my favourite version of of Rimmer. He's always trying to be one up in Lister. And he just goes to so ridiculous lengths to try and gain up rank and write down offences and raising the ranks. And then he's awkward talking about his track of beer moves as well. And, and that does got to be throughout the episode. I think I might be tied with, with my funniest moments. Either that or with Lister accidentally trying to lift the machine off the off the floor.
2: Yeah. Okay. Adam, what's your favourite? Oh, my favourite character
1: in this one. Um, it's gotta be do you know, what? it was the um the French dispenser. Um I really liked like that personality and how how it went off when Lister was trying to flirt with her and all that sort of stuff. The other dispenser was
2: great too, but I don't know. I just, I, the the French one clinched it for me on this occasion. Same. I've got, I've gone for the French dispenser. Yeah. The French vending machine. And I, I the other one had more to do, I suppose, had more scenes, but, mm. and, and I think has my funniest moment, but I do. I just love that interaction where, the flirting happens, the inadvertent flirting happens with Dave in a vending machine, and then suddenly it's like he's asked to backtrack and gets like it's everyone else turns up and it's really awkward and she's going, You mm. put his hand on my logo. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's such a great <laughs> gag. Great yeah, gag. yeah. So that's that's probably my favourite character. What about funniest moments? Ryan, you already said you were choosing between two of them. Have you had you was what does one trumpet?
0: I'd probably go for the Rimmer going through his moves. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's that classic Rimmer, and it's just like something he's here from the earlier series. It's just absolutely timeless and funny.
2: Cool. A bit of Chris Barry. Adam?
1: Uh, For myself, it was, uh, it may sound so juvenile, but it it was when Lister, I put Lister fell for Dispenser 23. That whole like ending (laughs) bit was just, um, yes, it's silly, but because it's all shot so well, it's edited so well, like I I just, that whole scene, like even before he fell, like when he goes to apologise and stuff, it was just, yeah, that got me laughing a lot. So it's got to be that one for me.
2: Yeah, pretty much the same again for me. It's, It's specifically, I think I was laughing my most when, he was thrusting on top of the vending machine to try and upright it, and then Rimmer just walks in casually in the background. so you see him sort of double take and sort of step back, to see what's yes. going on. Then Crichton comes in and sees it as well, and it says something along the lines of, "Oh, well done, sir. I I told you you I knew you'd move new, on eventually. Uh, yeah, I knew I knew you'd find a new species eventually. Too. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, it's great scenes. That's that's my favorite too. And then finally, we just need to give it a mark out of 10. How many scutters out of 10 would you give this episode, Ryan?
0: I was going to give it a 7 out of 10, but when I the last watched it, I thought I'll raise it to an 8. It, because to me, it just Ooh, felt like it was felt more like something you see here from the classic series. The jokes are a, lo- are a lot more better. And just even just the general performances, even with the vending machines, I just thought it just made it, it made the shit more alive and just made the episode just a bit more lively.
1: Nice one. Well, I am going to give it a seven. Um, the best bits undoubtedly were with the vending machines. I'm not even going to start to apologise for that. Uh, there were the good moments. As I, say, I, I loved the charade scene. I thought that was great. Um, but yeah, just sort of like we were saying last week, feel about entangled in in many ways. Whilst so good bits, it just felt also a bit underwhelming. I don't know if that's the right word. It just didn't have. It didn't have that extra punch that some Red Dwarf episodes have that really helped make them memorable, you know. Like, But to be fair, if I'm going to remember this one for anything, it's for the vending machine. So, yeah, I'm happy giving it a seven. Um,
2: what about yeah. yourself? I'm going to give it, I'm going to go with Ryan here and give it an eight. I, okay. I did really enjoy this episode. And yes, it is mostly because of the vending machine scenes. That is like, that is definitely the funniest bits of the episode. But there, you know, that was quite a large amount of the episode, I think, with that plot line. And yeah. I think it's enough that it kind of carries the rest. The rest is also good. I like the rest as well. But those vending machines really make it. And I think that makes it a memorable episode for me. And one I won't forget in a hurry. Um, so I, uh, we're going to give it an 8. And yeah, really enjoyed it.
1: There
2: we go. So that is another episode down. That was Dear Dave. Thank you for listening, everyone. Um, if you want to track us all down on the internet and stuff, um, Brian, have you got anything you want to promote? Have you got any, um, where can people find you on the internet? or
0: um, On Twitter, my um, link is at RetroMuck91. Um, I do do a bit of a podcast every now and again called Rambling Motion, which talks about film, like more obscure British film and TV. And um, yeah, that's
2: about it, really. Excellent. um We of course have the Twitter account for the show, which is at All Dead Dave Pod. I'm on Twitter at Culture Filter, which is uh filter spelled P H I L T E R because my name's Phil. And where can people find you on Twitter, Adam? Uh, myself on Twitter, it's just at Adam Martin A
1: M T V, and on YouTube, it's just Adam Martin. That's Martin with a Y. Yeah,
2: come check us out. Yep, and you can find this podcast on my Twitter account, which is just Philip Hawkins, as well as other geeky pop culture content about Doctor Who, Star Trek, all that kind of stuff. So do check that out as well. Um, Yeah, thank you for coming on, Ryan. It was a pleasure Uh, to have you. You're welcome. And uh, thank you for listening, everyone. We will see you for the season finale of Series 10 um, next episode. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye.